Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I, uh, it, it, it's good to see you guys. I want you to know, again, if you're a visitor, can, hey, Clint, can you just dim this particular one right here a little bit? Thank you. Oh, much better. Hey, all right. Um, you, don't, you don't see my bald spot now. Um, you always see my bald, let's be honest. Okay. Um, if you're a visitor, welcome. We absolutely love having you guys. We call ourselves a family, and so even if this is your first time, um, we call you part of our family. Um, last re- week, Ryan gave a, a great word on what it meant to be community as the church. Didn't he do a great job? He talked about, um, yeah, amen. He talked about, like, what is this um, doing unto one another thing that he gave us and how we're supposed to do kind of this life together. And he talked about um, how maybe you've been hurt um, from time to time in the church. And I don't know why, but right after he um, gave his message and about how sometimes we as Christians hurt one another in the church, and sometimes that's what keeps us out of the body. I was on Facebook um, that afternoon, and a good Christian brother, a friend of ours, posted this picture about how sometimes Christians fight with one another. Can you show that first slide, if you would? I just thought this was funny. He said, Christians fight, be like, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you harder. Maybe even do a Daniel fast, right? And I just, I don't know why, but I, it just kind of makes me laugh that like the way in which we fight as believers is like, well, I'm just going to pray for you. Well, I'll pray for you harder, right? And, and it's like, we're always trying to kind of one up one another. And, and so as I was like looking at that and thinking about Ryan's word yesterday, I felt um, kind of compelled in my heart that I wanted to go a little bit deeper in what does it look like to be community in the body of Christ, what, what does it look like to be community in, in the body of Christ? And what is this identity of body? Why, why in scripture do you see this word body, that the church is a body? Why is it over and over and over and over and over you see this word body to describe the church? And so I wanna, I wanna kind of dive into that the, this morning. Um, and can we just like admit, I know we did last week a little bit, but we can just admit that maybe, um, maybe we've been kind of wrong in how we've done church, right? Maybe, and anybody like to admit when they're wrong? You don't even want to raise your hand now. Nobody likes to admit when they're wrong. And a couple of years ago, um, when we, uh, we kind of changed course of who we were as a church and became Reliance Community Church, we, we had to kind of come to grips of admitting that maybe we were doing church wrong. Like maybe we were just kind of doing it wrong. And it wasn't intentional. It wasn't something that we were like, you know what, we've messed this whole thing up. It was just maybe we've missed what church is really supposed to be all about. And so as we began to kind of reshape our vision and dream for what Reliance uh, would be as a church, we wanted to get away from the identity of a few leaders that do everything. Does that make sense? That, 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 that the church constitutes people coming in and there's a pastor that does all the preaching and there's a worship guy that does all the worship and there's a youth person that does all the youth and there's a kids person that does all the, the kids ministry and that most of the giftings resides in just those few people. And so we came to this place of going, that's messed up. Like that's, you, you don't read that in scripture and, and it was never meant to be that way. And so we had to kind of swallow some pride and say, maybe the last 10, 12 years of being together as a body of believers, we kind of missed the mark a little bit. And so we shifted our focus on what does it look like to be true uh, be, be a true community? What does it look like to be truly the church that God intended it for it to be in this kind of this, this body uh, of Christ? Um, last night, um, we had our, our Saturday, Friday night, we had our camp out. This was like the epitome of what I, when I think of church now, I don't think of this. 
When I think of church now, I don't think of this. This was our men's retreat. We had 50 guys come out, gather around campfire, and literally break up into groups and lean into one another. Men leaning into one another, sharing where they've missed the mark. Sharing where they've missed the mark on passion for, for, for Jesus. Sharing where they've missed the mark on mission for Jesus. Sharing where they've missed the mark maybe on revealing God, sharing Jesus to other people. And so all of these guys pocketed up together, leaning into one another, letting one another know, hey, we've got you. And so when I think of church and the body of Christ, this is the greatest picture that I think of. Isn't that awesome? Because at the end of the day, this right here, this is great. Don't get me wrong. We love to come and worship. We talk about this all the time. We love to come in and worship with you guys, and this is fun. But this is how we know what's going on in each other's lives. We're operating and functioning in the gifting that God has, has, has called us to. And so coming to this place of going, maybe we're, we've missed the mark a little bit, and if the church is called a body, maybe the body is a little bit out of shape. Amen? Maybe, maybe the, some of you are like, amen to that. Maybe the body is a little bit out of shape. And so if you guys have your Bibles, um, we, want to, uh, uh, we want to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We want to get back into what it is that the Lord has really intended for the church to be. Like, how is the church supposed to function? And, and, and when, you, when you come into to something that's supposed to function in a way that it was intended to function and you've been out of function for a long time and you realize it, it is the most beautiful and incredible thing. The best way that I can liken this to is, you know juice boxes for kids? You guys know what I'm talking about? Juice boxes? You know how you're trying to put the straw in the juice box and it squeezes out on you? And you're like, that's the, who invented this? It's the most frustrating thing. And then for the first time, the revelation that there's tabs that come up do you, got, do you guys know there's tabs that come up on juice boxes? Does anybody know that there's tabs that come up? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And you realize that the tabs come up so you don't squeeze it out of the straw? It's a revelation, is it not? You're like, this is the, whoever invented this is genius. <laughs> and I feel like this is how it is with the body of Christ that we're sitting here going, man, it just feels like the body is out of shape, like it's out of whack. And then you come in and you're like, that was never how it was intended to be. And you're like, wow, God is a genius. He knew what he was doing when he created all of these different people in this room and put us together and said, now do life together. He knew what he was doing. And so as we read through this, I want you to understand that when we come into our function rightly, not how we've always done things, but rightly, man, God can do things in ways in which we never thought possible or in ways in which we read in scripture and go, why aren't we experiencing that? And so if you guys have your Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Now, I wanna, I'm going to be skipping through some scriptures here to just kind of follow along in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, so it says God works in different ways. The same God does the work in all of us. So I want to I just stop there for a minute so that you understand that it's the same God at work in every single person in this room. It doesn't come from us. I'm not gifted in and of myself. All of it has come from him. So... Um, Verse seven, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can, somebody say help, so we can help each other. We were not gifted so that we could lord it over one another. We were not gifted so that we could brag about it over one another. We were gifted so that we could help one another. The human body, verse 12, has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. 
So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would, how, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. Somebody underline that. God puts each part just where he wants it. Um, somebody in this room, and we're gonna talk about this here in a minute, wants somebody else's part. You want somebody else's gifting. You want somebody else's ability. You want somebody else's whatever. And, and I want you to note right here that the minute that we start to want somebody else's whatever, gifting, what, I want that part, I want that part, I want to be the I, I don't want to be the, the minute that we start doing that, we're missing the design that God has for us, amen? We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. So he goes on and he says this, verse 19, how strange our body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of that. Amen? Amen. So Lord, we pray that this word would sink deep into your body today. We would not neglect what it says, but we would implant it in our hearts and figure this thing out rightly in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of things that I want to cover today is I want to cover what it looks like for the body to be family. Just recap a little bit about what Pastor Ryan shared. I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be the body and to play your role rightly. And then I want to talk about some hindrances things that try to come in and instill that away from you and hinder you in that. And so I just want to share this phrase with you, and it's this. If you want to see the fullness of Jesus, if you want to see the fullness of Jesus on display, don't look to a person with a special ability. If you want to see the fullness of Jesus on display, don't look to a person that has a special ability that you think is awesome. Look to a body of believers that is functioning in their kingdom calling, amen? We tend to look at people with a special ability that we think is awesome, and we think, man, that, that is Jesus on display. Look, that gifting is from the Lord, and I agree with that. But if you truly want to see the fullness of Jesus on display, what you look for is a group of believers that are functioning together in their kingdom calling. That's how you see Jesus in his fullness. How do I know that? Because Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and God placed all things under his, Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything, the church. Now look at this. And appointed him to be the head over everything, the church, which is his what? The church is his body. Now here's the key part of that. The body, the fullness. Somebody say fullness. The fullness of him. We get to be the fullness of Jesus. And so when we get to function together as the body, we get to see the fullness of Jesus. Otherwise, we're just looking at people that have some special giftings and talents, and we're missing out on the fullness of him. We're only seeing in part. Who fills everything in every way. I'm stuck on that church right now. That's like become my thing now. 
That's like my passion. That's what's driving me right now is this identity that we are revealing. We together, not Aaron, not, not Ryan, not Matt, not Tara, not Jacob, not, not Paige, not Mary, not, not your, 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 your life group leaders, not just those people that we together, all of us. Somebody say all of us. What's driving me is that all of us right now, when we're living out the gifting that God has given us, that we are revealing the fullness of Jesus. And so now, going back to what I said early, now when I say, is it okay to admit that sometimes we've been doing church wrong, everybody says amen. Because what we've done is we've leaned in on just those with the special abilities that we think have special abilities while we just come in and, and we just kind of listen and we just go, man, maybe someday. And I want to say that day is today. That, that day is today where you rise up and we get to be the fullness of Jesus together. So, so again, I want to, you are needed, you, you are needed if we're going to do this thing in the fullness. If we want to do it in partiality, if we want to do it in part, okay. But if we want to, to reach the pinnacle, the fullness, you, you are needed. And we don't want you to think that when you come through these doors that you're just one of many, but that, that God hand-selected you to be here. You're not here by accident. If this is your first time here, you're not here by accident. If you've been coming for a few months and you're trying to fill things out, you're not here by accident. And I'm all for going, sometimes the Lord just says, hey, come in, rest for a season, and then I've got somewhere else for you. We are all for that. We, man, we, that's exciting to us. When you can come in, maybe rest for a minute, and then God calls you somewhere else. But, but I want you to know you're here for a reason so that we can function together as a body. Um, let, let me just give you an example of that. Um, when, when you sometimes feel like you're not counted and you walk in, anybody ever, <laughs> I know you all have, Who's been to the DMV recently, all right? Wouldn't it, just picture this for a minute. Like, you, here's how it walks. You walk into the DMV, they give you a number, and they just tell you to sit down until your number's called, right? And all you are is a number. I'm number 89. That's my number, right? How amazing would it be if you could walk into the DMV, right, and they call you over, Aaron Wallace, your tags are ready, and we have a cookie for you, Right? <laughs> Would that not, would you not feel special in that moment? Like the DMV, and I'm not, if you work at the DMV, you're doing your job, all right? But, but you walk in there, you're a number, 89, come to the window, please, right? And you go to the window, and normally it's like, do you have such and such paperwork? And you're like, no, I am so sorry, I didn't know I need to bring that, can I? Well, then you need to go and get another number, right? And, and so it, it would be awesome if we understood that when we walk into the body of Christ that we call the church, the, the family of God that we call the church, if that we wouldn't just feel like another number, but that your name is called. John Smith, you've got a gifting. We need you to come up here, right? And so as we um, push into this thing today, I, I want you to come to this place of understanding that the Bible specifically calls us a body for a function that needs to work together. And so um, I want to make sure that I start off with this. Number one, the body of Christ then, for us to function together, it's supposed to be a place of life. Somebody say life. Uh, I was reading this quote um, by A.W. Tozer out of The Pursuit of God, Pursuit of Holiness. He's got two books, Pursuit of God, Pursuit of Holiness. I'd encourage you to get those books if you've never read them. And he says this, 100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization 
100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. The first requisite is always life. Life always. That when you come through these doors, what makes us a body of believers is that we're alive. Amen? I'm not just talking about like you have a pulse. I'm saying that there's something that's driving us into life. We're, we're speaking life, we're sharing life, we're doing life, we're encouraging life. We're, we're doing something that's raising the level of life inside of our lives. The church is supposed to be a place of life. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with all the saints and members of, and Ryan talked a little bit about this, household of God built on the foundation, the apostles, prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, listen to this, grows. Somebody say grows grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The v- v- verse 21 is key right there. Being joined together, we are growing. There's something about growing that indicates life is happening. We're, we haven't grown we just, like, we're grown, now we've stopped. We're, we're not stunted, although sometimes we can be at that place in church life where we're just stunted in our growth. But he says that we're being joined together. Every time somebody walks through that door, when you walk through that door, we're being joined together, and more growth is happening in the body of Christ. Not numerically, giftings, purposes, Kingdom mindsets. We're not growing. Yes, numerical growth is happening too. But here's, I want to get you away from the numerical growth. When you walked through those doors, when we're knit together, new gifting comes into the kingdom of God. Amen? And now we're functioning together in the way that God designed us to function together. And this is why we're always in process. There's never a time where a church gets to a place and we've fully matured. We've got all the gifting we need, the doors are locked, amen? Says no church ever. And so, and so I want you to hear that this is a process where we're growing, we're knowing one another, we're getting to know each other's giftings and strengths and those things together. And our target, our target is not just growing to grow. We're not just growing to grow. Listen, the target is that we're growing to be more and more like Jesus. Because the person who redeems planet Earth is not you and I, amen? Praise the Lord. The pressure is off of you. The person who redeems planet Earth is Jesus. And so in Ephesians 4.15, after Paul has just given us that word in Ephesians 2, um, Paul says this, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become. He's telling us what we're gonna, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, Jesus, who is the head that is Christ. So we're in process constantly so that we can become more and more and more like Jesus, not just individually, but together. And, and, and so it's so important that, that we get that. Um, and and here, here's why we're in, in process, and sometimes we need to understand um, why we've got to kind of always reevaluate things. Because for a long time, we approached the church like an institution, we approached the church like a business. We, we approach the church by a, business, by, by a business mindset of going, fill the chairs, you're number 89, make sure you tithe your 10%, right? 
and we approached it like a business and we didn't approach it like a family. And so because of that, then the church started to steer off into kind of this institutional mentality rather than a family mentality. And a family operates differently than an institution, amen? (laughs) Some of you are like, you haven't been in my family, we're an institution, right? Family operates differently. And so when in, in, in Ephesians 2, 19, again, he says, we're no longer strangers and aliens, fellow, but we're fellow citizens with the saints and members of, and he says the word household. Somebody say household. He doesn't say in the business of God. I want you to hear that. He doesn't say in the business of God. He doesn't say um, we are all together, knit together in, into um, the, the institution of God. He doesn't say we're knit together in the religiousness of God. He says we're knit together in the household of God. Banning Leapshire has a great word on this. He said um, our goal should be that we get people to transition from being part of the crowd to part of the community into the family. And he kind of gave this three-tier approach. He said, when you first come through the doors, maybe church life hasn't been kind of in your DNA before. He says, most people kind of just feel like they're a part of the crowd. There's no connection, you know, outside of maybe kind of coming in on a Sunday morning. There's just no connection. That's what a crowd is. You know, you get together and there's a crowd of people around you. You don't know who they are. It's just a group of people. You go down on New Year's, New Year's Eve to, you know, New York in Times Square, filled with a million people down there. You don't know who these people are. It's just a crowd. Outside of the fact that you're all down there to watch the ball drop, that's all you're there for. You're just a crowd. And so we've got to move from this crowd to community. Now, in community, there's some connection. There's probably some like-mindedness, but you can have community in a lot of things. Uh, When I was a youth pastor years ago, um, and do you remember when Star Wars, the the new Star Wars kept, kept coming out? And I remember like we would go to the Warren Theater, they would make me go, the youth would make me take them and wait in line for like an hour and everybody was dressed up but me, all right? And I felt like an outsider. But all the people that were dressed up, they acted like they were buddies and they didn't even know each other, right? They had community because they were all geeking out together, all right? How many of you guys did that? Just raise your hand. I like the honesty there. Thank you, brother, appreciate that. (laughs) I'm with you now, all right? I love Star Wars, all right, all right, good. so there was a community there. It was loose. It wasn't like I'm gonna die on a sword for you, but there was community there. We're in this place, we're talking, we're fellowshipping because we've all got this thing. So then he said, we gotta move from crowd to community and then to this word that we say, which is family. Family is covenantal. There's a covenant between family. It's life on life. It's communal living. Things in family are reproduced and multiplied. That's why we've got to move from being a crowd member and even a community member into a family member. Because family, there's life on life. Reproduction is happening. Reproducing life on life is happening. And multiplication takes place. Now, some of you guys, let me tell you why this is important. Because you... You, you, you see this as a household and it's not a business and we've got to get that down. And in a household, the reason it's important is because in a household, we all contribute. We, we jump in where needed. My family, when we get together, we'll have 50, 60 people get together. Christmases, Thanksgiving, we, it's, we just got big, we got a large family. In my immediate family alone with my brothers and our kids, and my, we've got 24 of us. Just immediately when we get together, when we're just like, hey, let's just invite our immediate families, 24 of us that come together. And then when we invite other family, no, we're not Amish, all right? But we all get together, and when we get together, everyone has a job. 
Everyone has a job, and, and we do this because we love our family. There are times where my job is to help with the dishes. Now, I want you to know something. I'm a germ freak. I've told you guys. I'm a germ freak, right? And so when 50 or 60 people are done eating, do you think that they meticulously scrape off the food from their plates? No. They dump them in the sink, and then somehow I get stuck with the dish job. Anybody resonate with me right now? And I go into the sink where the dishes are at, and I have this phobia that I cannot stick my hands into sink water that's dirty like this. Come on now, let, let, who are the believers in this room? I can't. There's something in me that says, if you stick your hands in there, you'll never get them back, all right? And that's how I feel. But yet, I'm compelled. It's my family, and they need me to step up to the plate. And so even though I'm not passionate to do the dishes when my family of 50 to 60 get together, I stick my hands in there and I grimace just like that, right? And I start pulling plates out and I scrub them and I, I get them done and, 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 it, and it all works out. And here's, here's what I want you, I'm not passionate for that, but I know that that's a way in which I can contribute because I have a role to play. And I want you to hear something of why that's so important. If we operated as a business, that wouldn't happen. I don't go into a restaurant with my family where there's 20 of us sitting around a table and we all eat and it's just an absolute mess. And I don't, I don't say to the waiter when he, or waitress when they come out, hey, can I go back to the kitchen? Can I clean these off for you, right? I don't say, hey, do you mind if you, just, you put me to work? I mean, I'm, I can wash dishes with the best of them. I don't do that because in a business mentality, I go, well, that's somebody else's job. In a business mentality, in a restaurant, I go, they've got people for that. I don't have to contribute if it's a business. I don't have to contribute if it's a restaurant. Do you hear what I'm saying, church, amen? I have to contribute when it's my family. I have a role, I have to. And so we, we, we talk about this quite a bit in here, but one of the biggest hindrances, then I wanna just talk about one hindrance real quick. One of the biggest hindrances then to uh, community as family is simply having this identity uh, that I'm a renter and not an owner. <laughs> We've been talking about this in our staff a lot. Are we renters? Do we have a renter mentality or an owner mentality? A renter says, I punched a hole in the wall. I don't care. My landlord's going to fix it, right? An owner says, you punched a hole in my wall. I'm going to punch you, right? It's not true. It's not true. A renter says, it's not my job. I don't own this house. An owner says, it is my job. I own this house. I've told you my pet peeve on this so many times, and I share this with you, and you've never said this, I'm sure, but I, it drives me crazy when somebody you know, attends for a long, long time or, or, or has been coming in, and sometimes we have the phrase, and I love you, just so you know, if you've ever said it, I still love you. We're, we're family, right? Christian fights be like, I'll pray for you, right? I love, I absolutely love, man, when people come in and they say, oh, man, this is my church, I love my church, versus I absolutely love your church. <laughs> I, I want to pout, I want to stomp my foot. It's not my church. <laughs> it's our church, it's your church, amen? It's your body, we function together, and so um, if we're functioning as the household of God, as a family and not as a business, then we begin to understand that we have a mentality that we all contribute, and when we're all contributing, we become a part of the household of God. When we become the household of God, we're growing more and more to be like Jesus. When we grow more and more to be like Jesus, we see more and more kingdom things happen.
okay? And so that hindrance of going, I want to go from a renter to an owner mentality. So let me just ask you that. Are you a renter or are you an owner? Let that sink in for a minute. Let me go to the second thing real quickly. The body of Christ, the church, is supposed to be a place to help you find your gifts and your purpose in Christ. The number one goal for us is not to teach and preach and teach at you and preach at you or whatever, and then you, know, you get a feel good and then you leave these doors and you come back in for the next feel good the next day. The whole goal that we should be doing if we're gonna do church differently, if we're gonna get away from maybe where we've gotten it wrong, if we're gonna function differently, the whole goal is that something stirs in your heart, a gift stirs in your heart, a new passion stirs in your heart, and immediately the first thing that you say in your mind is, how can I use this for the kingdom of God? That should be the role of every church where you're, 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 the goal from up here or in, in the teaching places is for you to walk out challenged in your heart of going, how am I stirred to use this gift? How am I stirred to be passionate for this thing that I'm passionate for, for the kingdom of God? Like that should be the role of us. Look what he says again in verse seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, verse 18. But our bodies have many parts. God has put each part just where he wants it. So Paul is sharing this picture of going, so the church looks like a body. And there's a reason for this. The body is intricate. I, 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 my, my degree, for those that you don't know, my degree is not ministry. My degree is kinesiology. That worked out well, Right? My degree is kinesiology, it's the study of the human body and, and movement. And the, the number one reason I chose kinesiology at K-State is because there were not very many math classes I had to take, all right? And so, so kinesiology, I had to study the human body. I mean, we had cadavers, we had everything. And there were so many things that I had to learn. There were so many, pro the way that the body processes, it's truly a miracle, between all the bones and, and the ligaments and the tendons and the different cell types that we have and, and all the processes that have to click simultaneously to keep you and I breathing. The body's amazing. And so when God designed the body, he had a design. If it functions well together, we're healthy. And if it doesn't function well together, what happens? We're sick. And you'll not know that because we take that for granted until you fall sick. And when you fall sick or you fall ill or something's not functioning right, you begin to realize that not everything is in sync with one another. And all of a sudden you begin to go, man, my body really is miraculous. When everything functions together, I'm healthy. But when it doesn't, I'm sick. And so Paul's like, this, this, this is the church. When it's functioning, it's supposed to be a body. It's supposed to be healthy. Some of your hands, some of your hearts, some of your eyes, some of your ears, some of your armpits. <laughs> don't look at your neighbor. Don't, don't look at your neighbor. But, 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 but who cares if you're the best looking hand in the world? and you're not attached to the body. Who cares if you've got the best looking toes on planet Earth and they're floating around in space? If they're not connected and functioning together, what does it matter? You hear what I'm saying? If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, 
Does that make it any less part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Here's what Paul's saying. Within the church, understand, yes, there is unity, but there's also diversity in the roles that he's given us. Everybody needs everybody to bring the fullness and purpose. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where it needs to be. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one, one, one body. When I read that, the, this is so weird. I just give you a picture into the window of my soul. Um, when I read that, and it says, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Do you know immediately what I thought about? You know the movie Monsters, Inc., the cartoon? I thought about Mike Wazowski, the big eye ball. And I was like, what a weirdo. You don't even hardly have ears, Right? He's just a big eye, and it's like how strange the body would be if that's what it looked like. And so he talks about how we've got to come together and honor one another, and when we're operating as the body, we get to see Jesus in the full. There's a story, Herman Ostry is a farmer in Nebraska. You might just give me a minute. I've probably got at least five more minutes. Hang on a minute. I, I know what that, that tells me. I'm pushing time, but I don't care. So Herman Ostry is a farmer in Nebraska, his barn floor was under more than two feet of water because of flooding in the creek, so he invited some of his friends over to a barn raising. His plan was to move the entire 17,000-pound barn to a new foundation on higher ground that was 143 feet away. His son devised a system of putting steel um, tubing and nailed it and bolted it and welded it on the inside of, uh, of the barn. Then he attached hundreds of handles to the steel tubing. After one practice lift, 344 of Herman Ostry's closest friends and neighbors slowly walked the barn up a slight incline, each of them supporting less than 50 pounds. In just three minutes, the barn was on its new foundation. And I love this analogy because it says, this is the picture of what the body of Christ can do when every member realizes they matter. Like that, 17,000 pounds, 143 feet. It's a huge bar. How do you move that? Well, you got to get a crane, and you got to get this, and you got to get this, and you got to get this, and you got to get this. And this is a guy who says, no, we got a lot of friends. Let's put handles on this thing. And let's just pick it up. 344 people lifted a barn, 17,000 17, pounds. They moved it 143 feet, put it on a new foundation. And I'm going, if this guy can do it in farming, why can't we do it as the church? The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand, head can, can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Listen, how crazy is it if one body part declared war on the other? Can you imagine if your hand said, I don't like you face and declared war on it? You'd be like, man, my face is messed up. <laughs> Nobody wins. The hands can't say, look, I get a ribbon for that. I beat you. You're like, you're an idiot, right? Because at the end of the day, nobody wins when we declare war on each other as the body of Christ. No, nobody wins. And I'm going to say this even outside of the, Nobody wins when we declare war on the body of Christ and other believers and other churches. Nobody wins. And so in verse 22, real quickly, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and less important are actually the most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. Some of you are, are in here, and you're going, I just don't think I have much to offer, and I, I kind of you know, mess up in my life, and I've had all these things in my life that I've messed up on, and I just don't know the word well, and yada, yada, you've got an excuse for everything, and I want you to know you're one of the most valuable parts of the body. You just are. 
If you are the person that says, I'm the most messed up person in here, you're the most valuable part of the body. There's a quote that I read. It says, honor is vital in the kingdom. A culture of honor that seeks to uplift and encourage others produces superb growth conditions. We honor you. Because as we honor you, we know at the end of the day, you're gonna produce the things that the kingdom of God wants you to produce. Last thing. I'm not gonna get to the last hindrance, but we'll, we'll come back and preach on this. Verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. I love that. If one part suffers, we all do. Just like a physical body, one part gets hurt, it messes with the whole body. If we were operating as a body, anybody ever stubbed their toe? Come on, yeah? Pretty much everybody in life, right? If, if you've never stubbed your toe, if you have kids, you've stepped on a Lego, all right? You feel like you've been to hell. Like, who invented those things? You don't stub your toe and you don't go, idiot toe doesn't affect me can't believe you did that you stub your toe and what do you do it affects the whole body bolts of lightning shoot through your body things come out of your mouth you shake your hands you you see what I'm saying your head screams you've just broken your toe your whole body is affected when that little tiny toe stubs itself now imagine if the church operated in such a way that when somebody was hurting, we hurt with them. When somebody was celebrating, we celebrate with them. I'm gonna invite Kathy. Kathy, will you come up here for a minute? She's just gonna share real quick. And I wanna share something about Kathy. Kathy was in a season where tragedy had struck her life. She'll tell you about that. And in the midst of that, she felt alone. She's like, where's the body of Christ in this moment? And from that tragedy and from that moment of going, where is the body of Christ at? In that moment, something else rose in her. Not the bitterness. There may have been a moment for that. But that subsided. And what rose out of her was a ministry that God put on her heart to say, I'm gifted in something. I can share with people when they've been through tragedy. I can meet with people when they've been through difficulty. And something rose out of Kathy. So I'm going to let you share with that, Kathy. Thanks, Aaron. Quite a sermon, yes. Yes, thank you, Pastor Aaron. Now that I've had a mini meltdown over there in the corner with Angie, thank you for your prayers. I'm really vulnerable in front of the body because I'm no longer community, I'm family, and I hope you'll accept me. A year ago this week, my father was brought into the hospital and he had been suffering COPD for four years. And that was the beginning of a journey that I never dreamed I would be on. And my father moved in with us and we watched my father die, and I was blessed to be holding his hand when I know he saw the face of God. But I walked that journey alone. I was hurt, I was mad, I threw my toy out of my playpen, and I would not come to church. Well then, God began to stir in my heart, and I went into Pastor Aaron, and I said, this can't happen to anybody else again in the body of Christ here at Reliance. God stirred in my heart to start a ministry calling it Congregational Care, that when somebody is suffering in this body, 
because your mom or your dad is sick, even though they might not come to this church, you do. Whether you've got some pain going on in your life, if you're in the hospital, reach out. Don't be like me and don't reach out because I can do it. I can't do it. I can't do life without you people because you are my brothers and my sisters in Christ. We are all family and I don't want to be a community anymore. I want to be family. I want to have get-togethers, but Gary doesn't know that. <laughs> I want to have everybody over to my house. If you think you're interested in being part of this ministry that God, I believe, has called this church to, not me, this church, we can, we can administer communion to somebody who is dying. We can baptize somebody who wants to receive the Lord before they open the door to heaven. We can walk through the pain of somebody watching a loved one die. We don't have to be alone. No more alone. God says no more. And I'm only too privileged and humbled that he would choose me to spearhead this ministry for us. So join me if you feel called, if you feel called to be part of this ministry. Aaron and I are, we're excited, aren't we? And I'm going to cry in a minute, so I'm going to stop talking. All right. Amen. Give her a hand. Wait, Kathy, stay there, stay there. So something stirred in her says you're not a number you're a person part of the family and I want you to know as part of the family if that stirs your heart and you want to join that pastoral care that congregational care where we're taking care of one another maybe that's your passion we want to pray this over you as well but Kathy we want to pray over you, you just extend the hand out I believe this is an important aspect of being a family together. So God, we pray for more Kathys. God, we pray for people that have that heart that says, not, I'm not going to let the anger, God, control what it is that I want. I'm going to let your passion that you've given me, and that is that every single person is counted. Every single person has something in their life that they're counted in. And so God, we want to come around them. We want them to know in their worst times that they're not alone. God, we don't ever want them to feel isolated. So God, would you help Kathy as she begins to lead what this looks like of going to hospitals and visiting and doing those things that this pastoral care, congregational care ministry, Father, will be for the person out there that says, I need this in my life. And so would you bless her, God? Would you anoint her for this? Would you raise up others, God, who want to come around her in this? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Can you guys give her one more hand? And this is the last thing I promise. Will you guys stand up? Stand up? Stand up? So in my family, we hold hands. So I need you to hold hands. And my, you're like, we don't hold hands in our family. Well, you're part of this family. Amen. <laughs> hold hands. I want to pray over you guys. Heavenly Father, I pray today, God, that you would help every person, Lord, as they're linked up in arms, know that Jesus, they have a gifting and a purpose and they're called to something greater, Father. That they're called to greatness, Jesus. I pray that every person, God, that's linked up in this room would know that they're not a number, that they're counted, they're part, not just of a crowd, not just of a community, but they're part of a family. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that they would know they're part of a body and they have a role to play. They have a role to play. And so Jesus, may this ignite a fire and passion in our hearts to go home and think about what is stirring in me that I can give to the rest of the body to show the fullness of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to close out with this last song. You can let hands go now if you want to. Thanks for listening today. 
If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.